Hi, and welcome to In Touch with Tennessee, a podcast of the University of Tennessee Institute for Public Service. Tennessee is among the hardest hit states when it comes to the opioid epidemic. In 2021, there were 3,038 opioid overdose deaths in Tennessee, which accounted for 80% of all drug overdose deaths in the state. Most states, Tennessee included, filed lawsuits against pharmaceutical companies and pharmacies that are blamed for creating and fueling this epidemic. Funds from those lawsuits are starting to be dispersed to states to help them fight the crisis. Our Substance Misuse and Addiction Resource for Tennessee, or SMART, initiative is providing guidance for community leaders on how to use these funds. Through our sister agencies, the County Technical Assistance Service and the Municipal Technical Advisory Service, SMART is meeting directly with county and city officials to help them address the epidemic. Joining us today are Dr. Jennifer Torville, Executive Director of the SMART Initiative, and Heather Duncan, a County Government Consultant with CTAS. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thanks, Susan. Thanks for having us. So Jennifer, can you explain to us these settlements and how counties and cities are expected to use the funds? Um, Sure. So we could be here for days discussing the settlements, but, um, you know, there's several companies that have settled. The funds are coming in and on different timelines. Some of the money is split differently and they have different rules for spending. Um, So it's very confusing. It's very, uh, it changes all the time. And it's a lot to keep up with. Um, So counties and cities, they have specific rules they have to follow for spending. The goal of the money is to abate the opioid crisis, right? So to use these monies for programs such as, you know, saving lives, Narcan medication out in the communities, um, programs for incarcerated individuals, treatment programs, prevention programs, programs for mothers, um, data and research. So there's a lot of different uses. Um, there's a comprehensive list of about 147 programs that these funds can be used for. And so it's taken the counties and cities a while to figure out what to do with these funds. How do they decide what the priorities are in their communities? Um, So it's a process and we're encouraging them not to jump into spending these quickly to take a step back, set up a process, figure out what those priorities are um, and then allocate those funds accordingly. A little bit about the work we're doing with CPAC specifically. Tell us about the work you are doing with CTAS specifically. So CTAS works directly with counties on different aspects of county government, and they have relationships with all of the county executives, all the county leaders. Um, They know the dynamics within the counties. They look at their budgets um, and and they're trusted. They've had long-term relationships with them. So um, you know, we've partnered with CTAS to have some of those conversations with county executives. You know, they don't know who we are, SMART, as a new, you know, initiative within the Institute for Public Service. We don't have those relationships. We haven't built that trust yet. Mm-hmm. And this is a very confusing 
um, situation for a lot of them. So partnering with CTAS, going together with CTAS to visit some of these counties, it just adds a layer of trust and comfort um, with us walking in and having some of these conversations. So we've been trying to do county visits together. And Heather, what are you hearing from the counties in your territory about the opioid crisis in their communities? Well, I think county leaders, um, specifically mayors, you know, judges, district, district attorneys, they are all concerned as the citizens in every county are concerned um, about the opioid crisis. You know, this, this isn't um, your normal, you know, drug problem. This isn't street street drugs that um, we have dealt with in the past. You know, these are um, medical necessity drugs that are affecting just common everyday people. And when, you know, you, you look out in counties, there are very few families left who haven't been touched um, by some degree, by the the opioid crisis. So I think for that reason, and because it is you know starting to hit our everyday families, um, county leaders are are responding to you know the need to address this terrible problem. Right. So I know um, you two have visited with many of the counties in Heather's territory, which is southeast. Tennessee, I believe. Yes, Southeast Tennessee. Um, what advice have you given them about these settlements? And you both can speak to this. Well, I think I'll I'll chime in first because you know, like Jennifer said, as county government consultants, you know, we typically help counties with you know things like budgeting or you know, new laws, um, anything that counties need. You know, we're kind of a general consultant. And um, so, you know, they have looked to us in the past for, you know, financial assistance and and guidance as far as, you know, how can we spend this money? But as Jennifer said, you know, this opioid money comes up, up one portion of it is not so restricted. But another portion of it is very restricted. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of been nice from my standpoint to be able to walk into a county with Jennifer. And, you know, I can offer guidance as far as, you know, the the financial, how, how do you receive the money? What do you do when you receive it? You know, what what kind of what pot is restricted? What pot is not restricted? And then from there, you know, she can talk about what can you do with the various um, pots of money? Yeah, and I would, to add to that, um, you know, just the process for deciding how it's spent is something we've been trying to provide some guidance on. So, I mean, county mayors don't have the time to oversee the spending of this money coming in for the next 18 years to make sure it's going to uh, the approved uses and to future remediation. So we've been encouraging them to assemble whatever they want to call it. Some are calling it an opioid task force, some a committee, some a board, some a council, but putting together a group of multidisciplinary people within the community that have some kind of expertise or knowledge about addiction and drug use. Um, to kind of make recommendations to the mayor and to the county commission on this is 
what we think is needed in our community. These are the people that are asking for some of this money to use within the community. These are the expected outcomes that we should see. And to make those recommendations, and it takes a lot of work and pressure off of the mayor and the county commission. Um, We've also been encouraging them, if they are going to give some money outside of the county, um, you know, to community organizations to have some kind of paper trail. So an application process. And we've developed kind of toolkit, you know, with a request for proposals and an application and a budget template and scoring template um, so that they can use those, modify them for their county, make it as easy as possible for them. But then those community organizations can put on paper, this is what we're going to do. These are the outcomes we expect so that when that committee is making that recommendation to the mayor and the county commission, everything's there. They have all the information, everything's documented, and they have everything they need to make a good decision. Um, So we're, you know, kind of providing some guidance in that regard, too. 18 years is a long time. So if you can set a process up on the front end that can guide the spending, um, it'll make it a lot easier moving forward. So we have been providing some some advice on that. And then like Heather said too, how to spend the money. So some programs um, produce better outcomes than others. Some of these counties are not getting a lot of money. You know, if you want to start a treatment program and you're getting $45,000 a year, it's probably not going to work out. Um, so looking at how much money are they getting out of that 147 activities, programs they can start, what will be the most cost effective? Is there funding outside of the county that we can help secure for them that they can use for a bigger program? Um, Can they partner with a neighboring county? So just looking for alternatives to just that small bucket of money, but to use it in the most impactful way to keep people alive. So, um, and it and it changes moving forward. So, uh, you know, another piece of advice is just to make sure you're kind of staying current on what settlements are um, in progress. We just had a new one settle last week, um, and there's another one pending. So, it keeps changing. So, making sure that they're aware of what funds are available for them to sign on to the settlements, and then what will come into the county. You know, I think I've I've been pretty impressed and Jennifer may not want to comment to this, but, you know, it's it's the mayor's office who is receiving the money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the many times, I would guess, you know, mayors are ill equipped to decide how do we spend opioid money? Because, you know, they're just not they're not opioid experts. None of us are. Well, Jennifer is, but, <laughs> you know, we don't have the knowledge to know what is the best way to use this money to help um, alleviate this problem. And I, th- I would say, and Jennifer hopefully will agree that, you know, the counties that we've been in, I mean, they have been pretty impressive so far. They've The mayors have, you know, assembled a, a diversity of, like she said, teams or councils or whatever you want to call it to try to sit down and, you know, look at where do we stand with the problem right now? You know, do we want to do treatment? Do we want to do, you know, like outreach to our um, jail system? Do we want to do like a drug court program? So, you know, they they have really, I think, um, the counties, the mayors in the counties have, have put good minds at the table to try to look at 
what is the best way to spend this money to help with the problem? And like she said, to look at, you know, 18 years going forward and, you know, at the end of that 18 years, hopefully be able to look back and reflect, you know, did we do this well and are we seeing progress? Yeah, I completely agree, Heather. You're you're very correct. It's been very impressive to see with some of these, especially some of the smaller communities, you know, pulling experts together. Um, especially in rural areas, can be quite difficult, and they've they've done it very well. Um, a lot of a lot of the counties that we visited have you know people that are very passionate about this. Like Heather said, a lot of people have been directly impacted this themselves or a family member or a friend, um, and you have an opportunity in these communities to make a difference. You can use this money to truly you know start programs that are going to mitigate some of these issues. And they're very passionate about it and they're working together and they're, you know, looking at what resources do we have? What are our priorities? Where are our gaps? What can we fill with this money? Can we use it to leverage additional funds? Um, And they're having those conversations and they're making really good decisions. So it has been very encouraging to see. Great. That's very good to hear. Um, Jennifer, you mentioned there were there are a number of programs available that you all you know suggest to counties or that you know, appear on this this resource list what are a couple of types of programs um yeah so the programs were actually um, included in the original settlement agreements exhibit e it's very comprehensive um there's nine core strategies mm-hmm. and i won't read them to you but just the basics right so when we talk about overcoming the opioid crisis. We talk about prevention a lot, which prevention, I guess we could call it the continuum of care, right? So prevention is we stop it before it starts. We're targeting typically its youth, whether it be youth at large or high risk youth, but you're intervening prior to drug use starting or in the very early stages so that it won't progress and get worse. Um, So prevention programs, and all different kinds. Again, it's in the um, Exhibit E, the the very long 16-page document of approved uses. Um, And then we talk about harm reduction. And harm reduction is people are, they have substance use disorder, they're currently using drugs, they aren't ready to enter into treatment and recovery, but how do we reduce the harm associated with drug use, right? So whether that be um, having naloxone available to prevent overdose mm-hmm. or, well, I guess not prevent overdose, reverse overdose, um, you know, HIV and hep C testing and treatment. So the harms associated with it is what we're trying to reduce there. So those uses are all approved and there's different different types of those. Um, treatment, of course, treatment is an approved use. Um, it is the most expensive. Treatment can be extremely costly, especially inpatient, outpatient too. We have a lot of pay, uh, people that use drugs that don't have health insurance. And so treatment can be very costly. And that can be um, through jail programs. That can be through um, intensive outpatient programs. All different kinds of programs are approved uh, to use these funds. And then you have recovery services. And recovery services are kind of the wraparound services and then direct recovery support. So peer navigators in our emergency departments and jails, um, workforce development programs. You have faith-based 
recovery programs, collegiate recovery programs, recovery community centers, um, housing, transportation, all of those services that are needed um, after you go through treatment and you're trying to sustain recovery. Um, and then data and research. So how you determine how to spend the money usually is going to involve some kind of data analysis and review, right? You have to look at what do we need? What do we have? What do we not have? What do our numbers look like? Are prescriptions increasing or decreasing? Are overdoses increasing or decreasing? Where are they? Do we have hot spots? So looking at that data will really inform how you can use this money most impactfully in your community because it's going to look different in every community. And that's what makes it hard. You can't say, oh, go put all your money in prevention or in harm reduction. It has to be based on the actual needs of your community. Um, and then there's uses for support for people who are impacted by this. Think about law enforcement, EMS. I mean, the people, the first responders who are constantly interacting with people that are overdosing or, um, you know, public safety issues. We have crimes committed. There can be trauma related, you know, um, caregiver trauma. And so there's programs to support them. There's also programs to support families that have been impacted. Um, so there's very comprehensive list um, that covers the entire continuum of care and then also the people that have been affected on the outside. Um, so very comprehensive. And, you know, we've heard those discussions in the meetings that we've gone to. I mean, I know one county we were in, you know, they were very, you know, adamant, I guess, that they wanted to spend it in prevention. And they talked about school programs, you know, extensively talked about school programs, even starting in, you know, the middle school and elementary school age um, education, um, drug education. But then we've had some where they talked about, you know, release from jail and how to, um, you know, get these people back into the normal you know society and normal lives and and taking people to and from their um counseling so i think you know it's been it's i have learned a lot myself just sitting in those meetings with jennifer and hearing these committees you know debate and discuss how best can they impact their community and their county um you know, with, with which which type program. Right. Now, the funds, were they um, dispersed to counties based on size, based on um, overdose figures? So both. So they were, there's four criteria they looked at. Um, population, opioid prescriptions written, fatal and non-fatal overdoses. So they took... Um, it's a little different with the different buckets of money, but essentially that's what they looked at. The Opioid Abatement Council part of the money, which is the bulk of what's um, how it's being fed through Tennessee to the counties, mm -hmm. um, that data they collected from the Tennessee Department of Health over the past three years that was available, calculated it all out, came up with an allocation percentage. And then that percentage is the percentage of the money that they get. And that will actually be recalculated every four years. Um, so every four years, everybody's allocation percentage will change, which means their payment amounts will change. So that does add a layer of difficulty for planning down the road on how to spend these funds, because there's a lot of unknowns about how much money they're getting 
um, for various reasons, one of them being, though, they'll recalculate those data points and that that allocation percentage will change. Okay. How many counties have you two visited together so far? At least six or seven, right? Uh, we lost count. We we did a road tour one day. We did about three counties in one day. I took wow. Jennifer over the hills and through the woods. <laughs> you did, yeah. I'd say that's probably about accurate. And and one thing I learned is we have some some of our rural counties are absolutely beautiful. I mean, they're gorgeous. Um, if you're going to have to drive on a road trip you know, just down the road and around the corner, it's it's a beautiful place to go. And you have to get off the beaten path a little bit, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, my dad looked on, uh, you know, you can track my phone. He looked one day and he texted me. He's like, where are you? <laughs> I was like, I don't know what is sure is beautiful. So um, it, it's been very enjoyable, uh, not only to you know, go on a tour with Heather, but to get to talk to our counties and also see our counties. I've been to several that I've never been to before. Okay. So it's been very enjoyable. I've enjoyed it as well, getting to, I, like I said, I've learned a lot. And I think it, you know, my job is to help counties, but I think it, the more knowledge you have in whatever area, you it's easier um, to help and you feel like you're given better help. So um, spending this time with Jennifer and learning this about, you know, the opioid money, that it's not just about money. It's about making communities better and stronger for the future. So it, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, great. Um, and Jennifer, you all, I, I don't know if it's you or, or um, one of your staff members, you visited other counties around the state as well. Is that correct? Yeah. So I've been doing quite a bit of driving around. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we have been going, and some with other CTAS consultants and some on our own. We have hired um, consultants of our own, and we'll be, um, they're assigned to each grand division of the state. They just started, so they're brand new. They're still learning. Um, again, like we said, this is very confusing, so it's. I want to make sure that they have all of the information correct before we send them out alone. Um, so I've been going with them and we've been going and Heather's met them. We've we've went on a couple, me and the others with Heather. Mm -hmm. um, so we've kind of been traveling around together, getting them trained, getting them used to talking to the communities. Um, and then they will continue on without me at some point. Um, but yeah, so outside of Heather's district region, I'm not sure what you call them, Heather. We call her so outside of Heather's region, we have been doing mostly in East Tennessee. We've done some in the West, mostly in East and Middle, though. But we've we've been to quite a few. Okay. Well, thank you both for uh, joining us today and talking about this. It's uh, it's a very valuable service uh, in in addition to the other services that that CPS provides to Tennessee counties. No, thank you for having us. Yep. Thanks for having us, Susan. We appreciate it. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to In Touch with Tennessee. Be sure to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.